0: the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now here's lead pastor, Chris Starr. Last Sunday, I preached on redemption and God setting us free from the bondage of sin. Very evangelistic message. Today, I'm going to talk about Grace and faith. We'll see you here in just a minute. Very evangelistic. Next Sunday, the Lord's already dealt with me. I'm going to preach on regeneration or the new birth. You know, you hear people talk about, I've been born again. What does that mean? So for these three Sundays, I'm preaching evangelistically. I'm helping us to understand what salvation is all about. And so I want you to help me pray that people to come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But Ephesians chapter 2, just verses 8 and 9. But keep your, keep your that keep your Bible open there. Paul wrote, for by grace... You have been saved through faith. By grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves; it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. All right, you can be seated. And thank you for worshiping the way you you have this morning. Uh, you know when you when a minister comes to the pulpit or the platform and the lect speaking processes to have the opening line, the opening statement. I've laughed all week about mine, and I figure you might laugh a little bit too. I come here this morning to tell you I'm just sick and tired of bad news. That's just where I'm at. I'm just sick and tired of bad news. I'm I'm not watching the news anymore hardly. If I look through my news feeds, I'm glancing, and I'm really not even wanting to read it because everything's bad news. I'm so sick of COVID-19, I mean, I'm so bad, I'm ready for COVID-20. I just want to move on to something else. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm sick and tired of COVID-19. I'm sick and tired of the economy up and down and, and us talking about un, bad unemployment numbers. I'm ta- and, and I'm going to say this. Uh, I haven't said much, and, and, and I think wisely so. Uh, I know that protesting it may be something that some people don't like or maybe, you know, it's whether or not you're for the cause, you're for it. But listen, that's one of our rights as Americans. I thank God for protesting, that we have the right to assemble because that same Constitution says, peacefully assemble, by the way, because that same Constitution says we have a right to assemble and worship. So I'm just gonna say we need to thank God for our Constitution. things are wrong but that's all the news is about and I'm just sick and tired of it it's one of those sick and tired sermons no so here's what I wanted to say I want to come here you're sick and tired of it too I can tell I wanted to come here today in this church in the house of God with the people of God and say let's talk about some good news because we have the good news So today I want to talk about the good news. Here's the good news. You ready? The good news is God wants to save you from your sins. Now, if you're already saved, you say, well, I'm already saved. Well, just say, thank you, Jesus. I'm already saved. Hallelujah. That's good news. But God wants to save you from your sins. 1 Timothy 2, 3 and 4 says, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Here's some more good news. God proved this to us when he sent his son to pay the ultimate price for our redemption. Jesus came and died to provide the means for you to be saved. That's good news. All right? 1 Timothy 1.15 says this is a faithful saying, worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And here's some more good news. Jesus has the power to save. How many of you met that Jesus and he saved you? I know he saved me, and I know he saved many of you. He has the power to save. He is alive today to save people from their sins. Hebrews 7.25 says, Therefore, Jesus is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. So that's the good news. Now, the words of the Apostle Paul, Paul gives us, the keys to salvation. There are keys to salvation. He says you are saved by grace through faith. So I primarily want to talk about grace and faith today. But before we do that, I think it's imperative that we talk about salvation. Because we preachers preach on salvation, and you talk about salvation, we tell people, I've been saved. But what does that really mean? The word that Paul uses here in the Greek simply means to rescue or deliver from danger or destruction, and that would make sense if you're talking about saving someone, and also the basic meaning of salvation is deliverance from a situation in which you cannot rescue yourself, okay, and that's the case with sin, sinners can't rescue themselves, and that's the whole thing Paul is trying to say in these two verses, you can't rescue yourself, you need a rescuer. And so I want to come here today to just say to you, Jesus is the rescuer. Jesus is the Savior. And when he saves you, he delivers you from some very terrible things. Let me just show you what I mean. You are saved from your sins. All right? Uh, Matthew 121 is the story, the Christmas story. The angel shows up to Gabe, uh, or Gabriel shows up to Joseph. Joseph is thinking about divorcing Mary because she's pregnant. And an angel shows up and says, don't divorce her. That baby in her womb is the result of the work of God. He is the son of God. And the angel said to Joseph, you shall call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from what? From their sins. The fundamental thing is we need to be saved from our sins because our sins is what has us in trouble. But not only are you saved from your sins, but you are saved from being separated from God sin separates from God. That's what happened to Adam and Eve in the garden. When they sinned, God kicked them out of the garden, and there became an impasse between them and the Lord. But Matthew 18:11 tells us that Jesus said, "For the Son of Man is come to save that which was lost." We're lost, and we're away from the Lord. We're separated. When you're lost, you're separated from the person that you want to be with or you're separated from your home or wherever it is you're trying to get to. But when you're found, all that goes away. And so Jesus saves us from being separated. He, you, When you're saved, you're saved from eternal condemnation, eternal judgment. Nobody wants to be under the judgment of God, but everybody is. Now, I love John 3.16. I'm going to refer to it in just a little bit, but I like John 3.17 too. John 3, 17 says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. We're already under condemnation. But he sent his son into the world that the world through Jesus might be saved. And I'm so glad that when you get saved, Paul said in Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no... Hallelujah. And then you are saved from the wrath of God. Now, this is a concept people don't like. They say, you know, I don't like to think about God being wrathful. I want to think about God being such a loving, caring God. And then other people say, well, that's why I don't like God, because God's this wrathful God, and he just loves throwing people into hell, and he's mean towards sinners. Well, none of that's true, and none of that's true. But so we get these concepts in our head. Listen, you just need to stop acting all self-righteous and holy here and get rid of that, because if you are a parent, for example, and your kids ever get act up, Don't tell me you don't get mad. Don't tell me you don't get some wrath. Come on, y'all, there's some parental wrath. My daddy's here this morning. My daddy told me more than once, he said, son, I'll whoop you for being ignorant before I'll whoop you for anything else. I couldn't even be ignorant without the threat of getting a spanking. And there were some times I was ignorant. And don't you think my parents didn't get upset Now, nobody gets mad at a parent when they get upset at their child for being disobedient and unruly and disobeying and doing things they shouldn't do. We still love our children, don't we? But we're just mad because of how they're acting and what they're doing. Listen, God the Father loves all of this world. He's proven that by sending Jesus. But don't you think he doesn't get upset with us and how we live there is a wrath against us and if there is not something done about our sins that wrath remains on us and ultimately it will push us into an eternity away from God and in a devil's hell but when you get saved you get saved from the wrath of God this is why Romans 5 9 says much more than having now been justified by his blood we shall be saved from wrath through Jesus isn't that wonderful so we're saved from some really terrible things. But, that, but when you get saved, you become the recipient of some wonderful things. I'm just going to give you a list. I went through this list. I thought this is powerful. When you're saved, you are spiritually renewed. When you are saved, you are healed body, soul, and spirit. When you are saved, you are justified and regenerated. When you are saved, you receive eternal life. When you are saved, you are placed in Christ. When you are saved, you are reconciled with God. When you are saved, you are adopted as a child of God. When you are saved, you are loosed from the bondages of sin. I thought I with the Holy Ghost. When you are saved, old things pass away and everything becomes new. When you are saved, your will is brought into harmony with the will of God. When you are saved, you are conformed to the image of Jesus. When you are saved, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life and at the rapture and the resurrection because you are saved, you will be glorified and experience incorruptibility and immortality for all of eternity. Now somebody ought to praise him in this Pentecostal church this morning if you're saved. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Now you say, how do you get saved? Well, when you get saved, you gotta cry out to God for salvation. And that makes sense because anyone who is in need of rescuing cries for help. I remember, uh, well, before I tell you that, let's just think about it. If If a, if a captain on a ship, finds that the ship is sinking, he issues an SOS. The pilot of a damaged airplane puts out a mayday, mayday. And so anytime you're in trouble, you've got to cry for help. If somebody's drowning, they're thrashing the water. me to his club and he had only been on there one time so he didn't know the property it was a very large piece of property and I didn't know it it was down near Hodges and we we went and hunted in the evening and I went and drove my four-wheeler deep as far as you could go and then I walked down a hill and 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 that evening I harvested two deer one of them ran off and so I called Mike and I said Mike I'm going to come pick you up we need to go find that deer And so we started looking for that deer, and we tracked it, and finally we found it. At this point, the sun is going down. It's December. It's getting cold. And I just assumed Mike knew where he was. I said, Mike, how do we get back? He looked at me and said, I don't know. That's not what you want to hear. I said, you don't know how to get back? He said, no. I said, well, I think it's this way. He said, well, I think we're supposed to go this way. And it was at that moment that I had that realization, we are lost. We are deep in the woods. You couldn't hear road noise, y'all. That's how deep in the woods we were. And I remember getting that 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 feeling in the pit of my stomach, my stomach rolled over. That sick feeling. I had left my heavy coat up there. We're sweaty. It's December. I'm dragging a deer. I can see packs of coyotes walking around us in the middle of the night. You know, I'm imagining everything. I pulled my cell phone out. I handed it to Mike, and I said, you get a hold of somebody and get somebody. I don't care if it's a National Guard. If you got to call the governor, you get a hold of somebody out here. We're lost. Do you hear me? He said, give me the phone, and he called one of his friends, and they said, it'll be a while. We'll get down there. They called the Hodges Police Department. The DNR was out there. We finally left that club at midnight. Midnight, we got off that club. We were following each other out, by the way, and he took a wrong turn. I said, I called Mike. I said, where are you going? He said, I'm starving. I'm going to the Waffle House. I said, I'm right behind you. One in the morning, we were eating at Waffle House after being rescued by by the DNR and everybody else. But the point is, how did we get saved? Thank God for cell phones. And I said, cause it. We called for help. Listen, the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You just got to call out to Him. It's that simple. And there's this thing that I've encouraged through the years. Many preachers have. It's called the sinner's prayer. And we talk about this in Growth Track. Those of you who have been through Growth Track, we talk about the ABCs of Salvation. Some people flip it around and do the backwards ABCs. You can do it either way. Is it you have to admit that you're a sinner and then believe that Jesus died and rose again and then confess that, that Jesus is your savior and confess that Jesus is your lord. And 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 so the prayer oftentimes goes like this, dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. I admit that. I confess. I admit that I'm not right with you, but I believe Jesus died. I believe Jesus rose again. Please forgive me of my sins, God. I repent. I'm not going to do sin anymore. I'm going to live right. I confess you now You are my Savior You're my Lord You're the leader of my life In Jesus' name, amen And God gloriously saves people But what I've come here this morning To say to you is this Having the need of salvation Is not enough And even praying the prayer of salvation Is not enough Paul said there are two keys That you have to have To really truly experience salvation And that is grace and faith For by grace are you saved Or rescued from sin Through Faith. So let's talk about those two things. Now, what is grace? What is grace? Well, grace is a noun and a verb. A noun and a verb. Grace is both favor and a force. Grace is, somebody, so grace is favor. So somebody said that grace is getting what you don't deserve. And I think that's a pretty good, a pretty good definition. But in its simplest meaning, grace is the unearned, unmerited, undeserved favor of of God. and when you experience the favor of God, if you experience anybody's favor, okay, then what you have are two things. you have a gift and you have some kind of concern. and in the case of God, you have a gift, an unbelievable love for you. I'm going to come back to this, but take John 3:16. "For God so loved the world, see? For God so loved the world that He gave." Love and gave. John 3, 3.16 is all about God's grace. God's grace. And, 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 and it's not about anything you can do. It's what God is lovingly doing for you just because he wants to. That's grace. How many thank God for amazing grace? How many thank God that he did that even though you didn't deserve it? Okay, so grace is a favor, but it's also a force. It's something powerful that works in your life. Um, I'm going to teach you a little theology here. There, there, there are two kinds of graces when it comes to salvation. There is something called prevenient grace. Prevenient grace. And prevenient is not a word that you're going to use every day in your vocabulary, right? So it means that which comes before. So it's grace that comes before in the saving process. And here's what we understand. In John 8:44, 44, Jesus said, No one can come to me. Nobody can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him so see it takes the work of God to draw you and bring you to that place to where you can get saved now I've talked to people through the years that say Now, pastor listen I appreciate you I love you you're a great preacher enjoy your sermons I love this church I love everybody here but I'm not I'm not getting saved I'm gonna get saved when I'm good and ready I'm gonna grow up I'm gonna live my life I'm gonna get married we're gonna have kids I've got a career to pursue am going to have grandchildren. I'm going to live this life and do what I want to do. And then when I get older and I get closer to death, then I'll come to God and I'll get right with God so I can go to heaven. Sounds like a really great plan, doesn't it? Except the problem is it doesn't work. Now listen to me. I just read John 8, 44, and Jesus already set the rules. You don't get saved when you're good and ready. You get saved when God's good and ready. Did you hear what I said? You get saved when God's good and ready. And when God's good and ready, that prevenient grace comes and God enables you through the Holy Spirit. God draws you by the power of the Holy Spirit. God loves on you through the Holy Spirit. That's why in Hebrews um, chapter 10, verse 29, watch this. You're in a Pentecostal church. You need to know this. The Holy Spirit, he has many titles. The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Grace. You getting that? So, when you get saved, you remember when some of you who got, you know, all of you who are saved, you remember when God convicted you before you got saved? You remember when there was such an awareness of your sins? You remember when it all made sense? Do you remember when you felt something stirring inside of you? The Bible says that we are dead in trespasses and sins. We are spiritually dead and we can't come to God. You can't, dead people don't move. You don't come to God. When you want to, you come to God when God enables you and calls you. That's prevenient grace. And when He calls, you have to answer. When He says, Today is the day of salvation, now is the time, you understand, now's the time. There was a lady in this first service who left out of here visiting from, from a state in the middle of the country, a wonderful lady. I got to meet them, talk with them. She actually knows the town where I was born born in kansas and and so she's from kansas we were talking as we talked i was just sharing with her we were standing outside they were visiting they're going back up she got to crying we all said what's wrong and what happened is she's she served the lord she got away from god she was under conviction she made it through the service but didn't do anything but we got we got outside on the front porch talking and the conviction was still there And I said, honey, you need to pray. I said, because you just heard me preach. God is drawing you. God is dealing with you. Don't you shrug off God. Now is the appointed time. Now is the day to get things right with God. Prodigal, you need to come home. She knew it. So you don't get saved when you're good and ready. You get saved when God is good and ready. He enables you to respond to his call to salvation. So that's prevenient grace. But then there's more grace. There's saving grace. And this is where God graciously applies the benefits of the cross to you in order to save you. Titus 2.11 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Grace that brings salvation. I love that. This is God meeting you at your point of greatest need in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Can I teach you all something, show you something? John chapter 1, verses 14 and 17. I want to show you something about when you encounter Jesus as your Savior. Uh, John wrote and he said, and the Word, capital W, became flesh. The Word became flesh. So the capital W-O-R-D, Word, that's Jesus. That's a title for Jesus. How many of you know he's a living Word? And so he's the Word. So Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. And John said, we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 17 says, for the law came through Moses, but grace and truth. Truth came through Jesus Christ. So listen to me. When you meet Jesus as your Savior, you are going to be confronted in your experience, in your encounter with Jesus, with both His truth and His grace. And you need both to be saved. Let me explain to you what I'm talking about. Truth says to you, You're a sinner. You're a sinner. And you have to say, That's true. It's true. But grace says you can be saved. Truth says you deserve to die for your sinfulness. And you have to say, it's true. The wages of sin is death. The soul who sins shall surely die. That's what the Bible says. But grace says, but wait a minute. No, you don't, because Jesus died in your place. Truth says you cannot save yourself. And you say, that's true. All the good works, all the religious effort, none of it, does, it doesn't It does work because God says it doesn't work. I may feel better, but God says it's not doing a thing because that's not the way you get saved. But grace says Jesus can save you even though you can't save yourself. Truth says you are, you're unrighteous. And you say, you know, I really am. I mean, I know I'm a good moral person. I'm not a serial killer. But the reality is I've broken every one of the Ten Commandments either literally or in spirit And I'm really not. My righteousness is as filthy rags. It's true. But grace says Jesus will give you his righteousness. Grace says you deserve to go to hell. And it's true. What, you think he's going to let you into heaven? You're going to bring your mistress with you? You're going to keep having an affair in glory? Is there a drug addict on the corner of glory and hallelujah avenues? Is there an ABC store there also as well where you can keep your alcohol addiction going? How is it that you can live a life of sin and depravity here, but you think, but I'm a good moral person. I'm going to go to heaven. You can't. So there's only one other option. That's the bad place. Hell. And so you have to say, as much as I really don't like the idea, it's true. It's true. I do deserve to go to hell. But grace says, yeah, but if you get saved, you don't go to hell anymore. I make it where you can go to heaven and be with Jesus forever and ever and ever. See, Jesus is not going to sweep your sins under a rug and wink at him and ignore him. Nope. He's going to lay you bare. Because you need to admit. When you go to a doctor, you can't get help until you admit you need help. You can't get treatment until you admit, I've got this condition. Same thing with Jesus. Jesus is Dr. Jesus. and He said, we need to do a diagnosis. And Here's the reality of where you are in sin, and you have to go. And when it really happens, you get under conviction. That's when you cry. This is when you feel bad. Y'all remember when you got saved, you cried and you felt bad? Because you realized how bad a condition you were. I'm in bad shape. I need help. I need help. You almost ran to the altar. I need help. Somebody tell me what to do. And they gave you grace, and they started telling you about Jesus. See, and they said, there's a treatment. There's a cure. There's something we can give you to deal with your sin problem. His name is Jesus. Y'all, I'm just going to tell you like this. That just, this just tears me up. Here, this is why you got to have truth and grace with Jesus, because truth tells you like it is, but grace tells you how it can be. Isn't that awesome? Truth tells you like it is. But grace tells you how things can be if you'll just trust in Jesus. Hallelujah. And so you're going to be confronted. Now, let me just talk about this. Many people struggle with grace. It's amazing the people that struggle with grace because they want to help Jesus save them. They want to help Jesus, and they feel like they need to help Jesus. People have this sense, I need to do something. But that's not how it works. I need to assist God. And this is what makes religions that are work-based so attractive. You take the Catholic religion, for example. Very work-based. They talk about Jesus. They talk about the cross. But if you sin, you don't go to Jesus and confess your sins. You go to a priest in a confessional booth. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. It's been 438 days since my last confession. And the priest says, son, I don't have that much time. Can you give me in it in a nutshell? I did this and this and this and this and this. See, it's, it's a works-based. And the works continued. And the priest says, give me 437 Hail Marys. I'll cut you one. And then everything will be all right between you and God. And you go out and you do your Hail Marys, and then everything's good because you did something to help God save you. I'll never forget being in... And I am being facetious there, but it's still true. I'll never forget being in, visiting a Catholic church in Guatemala, in Antigua, Guatemala, and I saw this very elderly couple, very elderly, and and they were on their knees in this shotgun-style Catholic church, which is so typical in the in the towns in Central America where you have a you have a government building and then you have the square and you always have a church. If there's two things, there's a government building and a church. And they had their rosaries, and the man was in front, and the woman was behind, very elderly. And this long aisle, long, hard floors, they were doing their rosaries, and they were shuffling up the aisle. And you knew it hurt. You knew, man, it was killing them. But that was the point, is I have to suffer. I'm going to suffer and suffer pain and do my rosaries. And if I suffer and hurt enough, then God will accept me and make me right. I felt so sorry. I wanted to go over those people and say, Get up. You don't have to suffer. Jesus already suffered for you 2,000 years ago. Just walk to the altar. Come as you are and just cry out to Him and He'll give you what you're trying to earn. Hallelujah. You can't work for it. That's why Paul says, Salvation is by grace, not work, so that no one can boast and say, I saved myself. All right, help God save me because salvation is not about what you do. Salvation is about what Jesus has already done. He paid sin's price. He opened up a new living way to God. The key is just to humbly receive the gift of salvation. We're online, so camera person, just follow me. Now we're in the dark, I know, but it's just I can't stay up there anymore. If I had some money, and, and Joel, I came up to you with a $100 bill. And I said, Joel, you want a $100 bill? What would you say? Give it, Give it here. And if I handed it to you, take the $100 bill. Go ahead. And take just. We're going to role play. You wouldn't look back at me and say, thank you, Pastor. What owe you? <laughs> That's stupid, isn't it? What owe you? I'd say, you don't owe me anything. What would I say? Yeah, get 50 bucks, and that'll make other difference. Come on, just give me 50 bucks for that gift of $100. See, it's funny, isn't it? But you don't, When well, if I give you, it's yours, and you don't even say what I owe you. But isn't it funny when Jesus wants to give us the gift of salvation? Yeah, but what do I owe you, God? I got to do something. I heard people say, i I say, you need to get saved, man. Because once you get right? Well, I got some things I got to straighten up. I've heard that once. I don't know if I've heard that a hundred times. I just need to straighten up some things. If I can get some things, straighten up my life, then I'm going to come to church. Then I'm going to get right. I'm like, you don't straighten up before you come to God. You come just as I am without one plea, but that your blood was shed for me. And that you bid come to me. Here I am, O Lamb of God. Here's my mess. Jesus will straighten you up, see. You don't straighten up, but that's what we want to do. We'll straighten up. I mean, how many of you have ever helped somebody, I've done this, their car, the battery went dead. You're in the parking lot of Walmart or Dillard's or wherever, and and you pull up and you say, I'm car trouble. Yeah, my battery's dead. I got jumper cables. Let me help you out. You get out. You put it on there, and then it runs a little bit. Crank it up. Awesome. You grab the cables. What do people say? What do I owe you? Now, what do you do? I don't know. 30 bucks ought to take care of it now if you do that shame on you just shame on you you ought to be ashamed you ought to give me $30 just to make yourself feel better that's works. no that's not what we do do we joke we say you don't owe me anything I'm going to keep your money because you're thinking next time it might be me see we love grace don't we my God I'm preaching this I feel the Holy Ghost all over me right now I'm preaching we love grace don't we And we know how to give grace, and we love to receive grace. That Just a battery, a dead battery in a car, helps us to understand grace. I'm trying to preach to you today that if you're not saved, you don't have to give God anything. He's got the charge to bring your dead life back to life and give you spiritual life and renewal. All you have to do is just receive humbly his gift and take it. read the story of a woman that was struggling with this. She was a good moral person. And, and, and so she could not reconcile because she's hearing the gospel how a person who is wicked was no better than her or she was no better than the wicked person. She, she thought, you know, I'm a good moral person. So why can't I get into heaven? This person shouldn't get into heaven. And she's struggling with this because she thinks she's a good moral person. So her friend who was born again, a believer, said, all right, let's talk about this. She said, suppose you and I want to go to Six Flags. Y'all like Six Flags? I like Six Flags. So we're going to go to Six Flags, and the admission is $40 each. And she said, I have no money, and you got $20. Which one of us is getting in? She said, well, neither one of us, because we don't have enough money. She said, that's exactly right, and that's the point I'm trying to make to you. You're trying to make a wicked person be a penniless person with no money, but you're trying to say that you you got something that merits getting into heaven. The problem is whatever you think you have will never be enough to get you into glory. Because that's not what God wants. Is your righteousness? Your righteousness is his filthy rags. You don't so neither one of us get in. she, he, she said, "But suppose a rich and kind person comes along and sees our situation and says, tell you what, Y'all stay right here. Goes over to the ticket booth and buys two admissions to Six Flags and comes back over and says, here, here's one for you and one for you. Now y'all go on in and enjoy Six Flags. She said, which one of us would get in? She said, both of us. And she said, you know why? You know why? Because somebody paid the price that we couldn't pay so that we can get in. And she says, that's what I'm trying to tell you. Jesus paid the price that you cannot pay. You're good Your good life is still not enough. But his good life was as the sinless son of God. And so he paid the ticket. And now you get to go into heaven and be with Jesus. Thank God for grace, y'all. Thank God, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like you and me. We once were lost, but now we're found. We were blind, but now we see. So that's grace. But then it's not just grace. It takes faith. And somebody said that Grace is what God does and faith is what we do, even though it takes God to help us even with the faith. To be honest, you can't just drum up faith. I still think that's part of that for for grace, where God gives us the faith and he helps us to believe. So faith is necessary for salvation. Mark 16, 16 says, He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. It's It's pretty simple. Either believe or you don't believe. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans 10, 9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Romans 3, 26 says that God is the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. There's an Old Testament example that you find in Abraham. Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him or credited to him for righteousness. Righteousness. So, you see, it takes faith to be saved. By the way, and I'm, I've run out of time. I don't know where the time went. So, y'all just hang on at home. I know it's noon, but hang on. I'm, I'm going to teach you something. I've teach, taught this through the years. I'm going to teach this because so many people don't understand this. A lot of people think that you get saved, that salvation is a New Testament thing. You know, when Jesus came along. But God has been saving people from the day people sinned and that's called Adam and Eve and you're always, it's always been this way, you have always been saved by grace through faith. When Adam and Eve sinned and blew it, they're separated from God. They needed grace but they had to believe and trust God that God could save them and restore what they had destroyed with their sin and so God kills two animals. I'm convinced they were lambs and took the coverings, the skins of the lambs, to cover them in their nakedness and covered their bodies, which is a type of this blood of Jesus that covers our sins. And then he showed them and taught them that that sacrifice, the sacrifice itself did not do it. The sacrifice was a type or symbol that brought a temporary covering, a temporary sin solution that pointed forward to the time when a Messiah would come. See, I believe it went all the way back to Adam and Eve. There's a thing called the proto-evangelium where God said to Eve, your seed... Okay, your seed shall come along, and, and it's everybody knows that's Jesus Christ, and the and the Satan and the seed are going to be in combat, and the devil is going to strike the heel of the seed, but the seed is going to crush the head of the serpent. And y'all, 2,000 years ago, Satan struck the heel of Jesus by putting him on a cross, and the best he could do was put two nails through his feet, but on that day, Jesus triumphed over sin and the devil and crushed his head so that now whoever wants to can come and be be saved so from that time it was always looking for Cain and Abel understood this that's why Abel offered a sacrifice of a lamb but Cain wanted to offer the fruit of his works are y'all seeing this this is worth coming to church today you see there's been a conflict of people trying to help God save them all the way back to Cain and Abel And by the way, people like that don't like people who lean on the grace of God and Cain killed his brother. Because they're trying to make themselves look good in their works, but their sin's still there. And God told him, he said, sin crouches at your door like a a demonic creature trying to spring out at you and you better defeat it. And instead of defeating sin, God's way, by grace through faith offering the lamb sacrifice, looking forward to the day when Jesus would come, the lamb of God, he let sin win and just kept doing his works. But at that point, he was a marked man. It goes through all the way through the Old Testament. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you were always saved by grace through faith. Why? Because they were looking forward to the coming of Jesus. The beautiful part is in the 21st century, we get to look back. To the work. They were looking for the work that was to come. We look back to the work that is now finished. It's always been leaning on the grace of God and having faith in what He's going to do to save me. Do you see that? So faith is necessary to be saved. I'm going to finish with this. You have to believe two different ways. You have to believe that. Everybody say, believe that. And you got to believe in. So believe that. What does that mean? you got to believe that Jesus died and rose again. you got to believe that the gospel story is true. That's the first thing. You have to assent to the facts of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. You have to say, yes, I believe that he died. And yes, I believe he died for me. And yes, I believe he died in my place. And yes, I believe his death has the power to save me from my sins and make me right with God. I'm just going to preach fast here. And that's why I believe in evangelism, and that's why, brothers and sisters, those of you who are saved, we need to tell our story and make sure we tell his story, and we need to preach the gospel because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's also why I believe in apologetics. People say, ah, oh, Pastor, you're preaching real good, but you believe in the Bible. And no, I don't believe in the Bible. I don't believe in the gospel accounts. I'm going to tell you, I've been reading a book right now. I love apologetics. So I'm reading a book by a guy named Justin Brierley, and it's just phenomenal. And Justin Brierley, one chapter, it just, a matter of fact, it affected me. I thought, I want to tell my church this. You know, people say, I don't know if I believe it. Listen, there are New Testament. I didn't know this. I know a lot of things. I didn't know this. There are New Testament historians. All right, this is what they do for a living. They get paid for this. New Testament historians who don't, they're not even saved. They're not even saved. But that's their job. They love studying history, and they just happen to study New Testament history. But, you, you will be hard-pressed to find a New Testament historian, Christian or otherwise, who will disagree with the fact that Jesus Christ was a true person who lived and died and, yes, rose from the grave that there are both biblical sources and extra biblical or non-biblical sources that testify to the reliability and the accuracy of the Holy Scriptures. I don't have time to get into a defense of the canon of the Bible but my point is when you say can I trust the gospel, you can trust the gospel more than you can trust Homer's Iliad or Odyssey or Shakespeare's works because there's more evidence for these works of antiquity and this thing called your Bible than anything else they make our kids read in school I could do a whole sermon on that so you got to believe that the story is true that Jesus died, but you've got to believe in, and that means you've got to believe in Jesus. You've got to tr- now we get into words like trust and rely and have confidence on Him. You have to have confidence in the work that Jesus did when He died and rose from the grave. You have to you have to have trust in what He did and trust Him to remove your sins and make you right with God. Listen, saving faith isn't about believing something without evidence. We have the evidence. Jesus did the work. Jesus died, and you can rely on Him and his atoning work so that God can do what? Respond and forgive you and wash you and save you and transform you and justify you and adopt you as his own and free you from the bondage of sin. Listen, you can trust Jesus to be your savior. I want you to stand with me this morning. Hallelujah. I read a story about a young woman that was Living up north, we don't have this down south because our our weather's too warm even in the winter. You don't see too many frozen ponds around here. But up north where the weather is colder and for a longer period of time, they'll have ponds and rivers and lakes that'll freeze over. I mean, it'll freeze so thick you can drive your truck out on it, drill in it, and ice fish. A woman was walking in the winter across a pond Instead of walking all the way around, she just said, well, I'll cut straight across the pond. The pond's frozen. It'll be fine. She got about halfway through, and she hit one spot that was thin ice and fell through. And now she's fighting for her life, and she's trying to grab it to stay hold of the ice, but hypothermia's setting in, and, and she's freezing up, and the body temperature's dropping fast, but she's screaming for help. And a man that was nearby heard her cries for help and came running over and came out, and Watched and saw that the ice was thicker on this side. She was, but she had come in from this side, but the ice was thick. It was just one weak spot. And so he gingerly came out. He stretched himself out. He said, grab my arms. Just grab my arms and I'll pull you out. The problem was the woman was hanging on to the ice. She had been holding on the ice for so long. She was used to hanging on something to try to save herself. But, but she was it wasn't working because, you see, the water was taking its, the temperatures were taking its toll on her body. She was going to drown. You remember Jack in Titanic. You know, it's going to get you. And the man said, listen, listen to what the man said. He said, I know, but you've got to let go of the ice so I can pull you out. Trust me. That's what I'm preaching today. And the woman is that okay, and she let go of the ice, and he grabbed her arms and he pulled her out to safety, and she lived. Listen to me, you may be here today, you're watching online, God's dealing with you, God's drawing you. There's sin in your life, and you need to get right with the Lord, but you're, you're still holding on to something, it may be sin. I don't know if you can let go of this particular sin, this particular thing. You know, if you're going to give your life to Jesus, you got to let it go. It may be your your intellectual skepticism, your doubt, maybe your pride. Maybe a person. If I get saved, I, I know that she won't date me anymore. He won't want to be around me anymore. I said, you're holding on to somebody or something that you think is good, but if that person causes you to die and go to hell, Are they worth it? Are they really worth it? When Jesus is standing there saying, if you'll just let go of whatever it is you're holding on to and just trust me, I'm telling you I'll pull you out of sin and I'll save you. And he will. He'll change your life. I've been around people recently telling me testimonies from children last Sunday, children to teenagers, getting right with God. I got a card in the mail from one of the ladies of our church that has come here for years, years. Her husband is 80 years old. He's good provider, great job all these years, dad to his kids, the daughter, but he just wouldn't get right with the Lord was it always the most pleasant man because that's what sin does she hung in there with him all these years and stayed with him Listen, she wrote me a testimony and said three days, 80 years old now three days before he had a massive heart attack and stroke he turned to me with tears in his eyes and said will you pray with me I want to get saved and his wife led him to Jesus just three days before he had a massive heart attack and stroke and he's, in, he's in, a, in, a, in a facility now. See, God knew. You get somebody saved that's 80 years old, you might as well put that in the category of a miracle. But that's the grace of God. That's the grace of God. He can take the meanest person and change them There's a man standing in this room right now. Didn't know I was going to end up talking about him. He's getting nervous because he and I hung out some this weekend. He got saved here. And I said, Tell me about your life BC before Christ. And I'm not telling you what he said. That's none of your business. That's under the blood. But the preacher wanted to know just because I wanted to see the contrast. He told me what he was and what he did and how he acted. It wasn't very good. He'll tell you that. But then the Lord saved him. And I said, It's hard for me to imagine you being like that because the guy I know that came here and got saved, that guy's one of the most wonderful people I've ever known. Praying man, godly father, godly husband. I don't know that guy you're talking about, but that's the point. That's the point. That's what I'm trying to preach doesn't matter what you did and who you were and what you was. That's bad English. When Christ comes in, old things pass away and everything becomes new. You just have to take the gift and have faith. Repent of your sins and say, now the rest of my life I'm living for Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.